Hello and welcome. My name's Stephen Dickens and you've joined us today for the I'm a Mainframer podcast. The podcast is brought to you by the Open Mainframe Project, a Linux Foundation collaborative project focused on bringing open source to the mainframe platform. I'm joined today by a dear friend, former IBM colleague, doesn't need that much introduction, but I'll do it anyway, Tina Tarquinia. Hey, Tina, welcome to the show. Hey, Steve, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. This one's going to be a fun one, I think. So, Tina, I know you very well. We used to sit down the hallway from each other. We've got kids the same age. We've hung out. But just for our listeners, just get us orientated. Tell us a little bit about your background, what you do for IBM right now, and and we'll use that as a jumping off point for the rest of the call. Sure. Um, I have what I tell people I think is the best job at IBM. I am the product management executive for the IBM Z product family. So you would recognize our products as Z14, Z15 um, in the marketplace and uh, several models as well as uh, IBM Linux One. So my team is responsible for bringing those to market. It's exciting. We work with amazing, brilliant engineers and amazing, brilliant customers. And um, underneath what we all use every day uh, usually is a mainframe that's making it secure and reliable. And so it's really exciting, um, really exciting work. I am a New York native. Uh, I think the Hudson Valley is one of the most beautiful places in the world. And uh, my family and I live here. I have two kids. And um, I think that's a good starting point. I love your Twitter bio. You may have changed it, but I make mainframes. And I just love that because I think it captures there's so many parts to your job. And I know and we'll spend some time on the show here going through the the various processes that make one of these sort of amazing boxes come into the market. But, but I think that's the key part of your job. You lead the team that makes mainframes and that's such a key, key sort of, it distills it down for me. I think it's a great description. Actually, if you were able to slack with me at work still, you would see my status is making the world great one mainframe at a time. I remember that now. I remember that. So um, just, I mean, we've talked about making mainframes. We've joked about it a little there unpack what that means we're just we're coming towards the end of z15 know you guys have launched the talent processor so there's a new box coming sometime soon tell me what making mainframes actually means just because i think i know that from sitting down the hall from you and being involved in the process but just for our listeners who maybe don't know what goes into one of these boxes the sort of four or five year journey that it takes to get one out the door you know just go through the process for us if you would Sure. So at any given time, we are working on two or three systems, right? And of course, we are managing and supporting our clients on uh, in-market technology. At IBM, we actually design our proprietary te- uh, you know, chip technology. So we work with a fab- fabrication partner, but we design the chip technology. So in August, we introduced the Telum processor. That's our, our next generation processor. And that work starts really early, right? So for Z15, we started that work four or five years ahead of when we actually announced and introduced. And in order to do that effectively, um, I have what we call obsessive um, obsessive uh, client feedback loops, right? We are um, very fortunate to have amazing customers that work very closely with us. We have six uh, customer councils focused on different aspects of the offering uh, where we are like I said, obsessive about getting feedback. And so 
Um, around 2015, we had a transformation. We introduced offering product management um, at IBM as a true discipline. We brought uh, design thinking to the table and agile development. And if you look at that, that's sort of the magic combination that brought us pervasive encryption on Z14. It brought us system recovery boost on Z15. And the other magic, uh, magic sauce is our stack-wide view, right? So we accelerate at the chip, at the operating system, at the middleware, at the application level. And that's, it takes a lot of, um, a lot of uh, teams working at once, but that's really what makes the, the system perform the way it does. Um, and then depending on market trends, you know, we'll focus on encryption or um, scalability AI. Um, but we have some table stakes and that is security, reliability, serviceability, um, and our clients depend on us for that. And so we're always raising the bar on those, including um, also sustainability. So our power footprint, which is really becoming front of mind for our clients lately. And then we look at what's happening in the market and accelerate for those points. Um, so that's why we saw the introduction of Z15 with a system recovery boost and compression on chip. And then uh, for Zenex, we're doing the same thing, you know, looking at where can we accelerate. So in the Telem announcement, we talked about accelerated AI um, and you'll see that come to market, but that's really how we operate. And um, so, you know, we did that for 15, we're doing it on Zenex and now we're starting the discussions on the design of the chip for the next next, um, which can be mind boggling and overwhelming to be moving at so many different lanes. Um, but it's really exciting because you're really like creating the future of the offering. I know what you mentioned design thinking there. I've sort of been through that as a product manager in, in IBM, but I know you've been one of the, the sort of leaders at the absolute forefront of that within the Z business and within IBM more generally. So, you know, IBM talks about design thinking a lot, but for our listeners who maybe aren't IBMers, just sort of double click on what that term means, design thinking. You talked about a obsessive sort of feedback loops from customers, but just really sort of expand on that thought for a moment. Sure. And that's good. And I'm sorry, I assumed everyone knew. So design thinking is really about um, designing for a user experience outcome and not designing for a technology feature or a line item. It's really about what do we want the user to be able to do when we've done this. And so there's a really, um, a really defined process. We have a team within IBM and then within Z that are really outstanding at this. And it takes our users. And so we have uh, personas, right? So in Z, we look at the personas as an application developer, a system programmer. I mean, I think we have a library of like 50 personas now, um, security, um, and uh, as well as like storage management. So we have all these personas and we look at, you know, what are they doing today? And so we interview them, you know, what are your pain points? What would you like to be able to do? And then we get to as is. And then we say, okay, in, in a perfect world to be, what would you like that to look, look like? And then we try and map, you know, what can we do? What makes sense for us to do? Where will we get the biggest outcome? And we're always looking for the who, what, and the wow. So who, what personas can do what and gets to a wow. And so when we get to the wow, we really hone in on refining it over and over. And, uh, you know, we work with user, um, user researchers, which are our design thinking counterparts. Sometimes we need front end designers, depending on the, you know, the, the product area. And then, um, you know, we 
iterate showing them like, you know, wireframes, here's what we're thinking and we get their feedback there. And it doesn't stop at the actual technology. We also get their feedback on how we talk about it, right? So um, for system recovery boost, right? The concept of saying instant recovery, right? We, we shared the messaging with them. You know, does this resonate? Does it hit the first time or do we have to explain it? If we have to explain it, probably needs more work. So we do that at the technology level and at the messaging level um, to make sure that we're really being impactful with on both fronts of that. I think, especially with the mainframe, I think that would surprise a bunch of people. It, it's a speeds and feeds type platform. There's obviously the processor component. You know, when the box comes out, there's loads of benchmark um, data. Talk me through the reaction you've had from customers as we've gone through with Z14 and Z15. I know you've been instrumental in bringing those products to market, you know, either as a product manager or, or leading the team as the exec. What's been that reaction from customers as we as as the IBM teams look to just really pull them into the process a lot more actively as as kind of co-collaborators, co-co-creators? Well, as you can imagine, right, for something so critical in their enterprise, they're happy to give us feedback. Sometimes, you know, getting them in the right frame of mind, right? It'll it, they'll just say it should just work this way, or I don't like what it does now, and you have to really. I, what I've learned is you have to get good at asking the right questions. And so that all happens up front. Once we get to the right questions, and a lot of it's, you know, getting them comfortable and and understanding who are the, each of their stakeholders. And usually the first round of interviews, you end up just, you really kind of generate another set of people you need to go talk to, which is great. Um, and so initially, you know, we had to get them on board that it's okay if you lead us to other people. And now, you know, we used to, ask for sponsor users, which are, you know, these clients that are with us for the whole journey. And now we hear them saying, are you looking for sponsor users? Like when, when can I sign up or I want to be a part of that? We have one specific council that is aimed at this co-creation. It's called the Z Design Council. And it's, um, it's a very curated list because it's not just our largest or our highest revenue generating clients. It's the ones that either have unique environments or they really do want to co-create for the whole life of, of a program. It's an investment of their time. Um, but I think they really enjoy, most of our clients really enjoy, you know, starting with an idea and then it, you see it come to life, just like I think any one of us would. I think if someone asked me to co-create one of my favorite things, I, I'd be all in on it. Um, so they really enjoy it um, and not, we've always had great relationships with them and they're always eager to give us feedback, but this has opened the door even more. Um, and it's, it really has shifted us from looking at just line items or just queuing up our fees, which we could, which we could do for days, but it really has shifted to like, you know, making their job easier or more impactful, I think on the other end. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I, I sort of seen some of this transition when I was at IBM. I've, I've watched you guys go through and been involved in the process myself. I think it's a it's a huge pivot for how IBM's been bringing products to market. Um, and I think it's what will this be now the third generation of the of the mainframe that goes through this process. Maybe I know you can't talk too much about it, but where and I think most people can kind of guess there's a new box coming next year. You guys kind of uh, did something different with Telem coming out as a processor. Talk us through just a, give us a snapshot into what it's like this point through a cycle. 
you know, where are you, you know, there's a box coming at some point next year, you know, say as much or as little as about that as you can, obviously, but, you know, just give us a few, a view into this part of the cycle. I think we just spent some good time on the early part of the cycle. Give us a view of kind of where we are now. I think that'd be really fascinating for the listeners. Yeah, so um, I want to comment on two things. The seasons a program goes through, and then I also want to talk about um, the announcement we did with Tellum. And I, everybody always asks me, why did we name Tellum Tellum? So I make sure I, uh, I get to that. Ooh, I didn't ask that question, but I want to ask that question. So <laughs> go for it. Yeah, please get to okay. that one. So if you think about this, I, t- I tell product managers that come into the team, right? There's seasons, right? So in the beginning of a product, we do this let's think about what we could do. Like if we, if we had all the resources in the world, like you sort of have like this dreaming invention, innovation period where you're exploring everything you could do and it gets refined. Um, And then you, you sort of go from that dreaming phase into the, okay, let's actually size all of that work with what we have available and prioritize. And then you go through that season and the next season is okay. Let's, let's start to build it. And (laughs) And, and make it, which is exciting. Um, as I used to work on the test floor and there's nothing like when you first power on a new mainframe, it's just like this buzz of energy. And the last season is you go to market. Um, and there's different teams that participate in each of the seasons. I think my job is the best at IBM because I'm in all of the seasons. Um, and so this go to market is really where you're like, the engineering work and the execution is full steam ahead. And now you're thinking about how do we talk about it? When do we launch? What's the key messaging? You know, because I, IBM doesn't necessarily have um, product specific marketing, right? You won't ever see a mainframe on a billboard, no matter how much I would wish. So it's how do we, how do we work within IBM marketing and who do we talk about? What customers are we going to have on stage with us? What's digital launch? And, and um, you know, what are the taglines, right? So in Z14, we had 100% encrypted 100% of the time. That took a lot of work to distill down to, to, to just those four words. And so right now we're in the season of it's time to go to market. Let's flex all those muscles. And so Externally, it's all the things I just talked about. Internally, it's getting our sellers ready. Um, so how do we educate them? How do we you know, give them the right collateral to create proposals to talk to their clients? How do we um, make sure that the sales plays are aligned? How do we, um, you know, all of that internally needs to support the external launch, right? Obviously we're building these to meet business goals, right? So um, that's sort of where we are. We're gearing gearing up this huge go-to-market phase. And I know you've participated in launches. It's so incredibly exciting. Um, There's an adrenaline rush for the next few months, for sure. There really is. Um, and all of the things you talked about or put in PowerPoint start to come to life. And it's it's really exciting. Like any other thing, all of the things you didn't put in PowerPoint or pro- problems you didn't envision also come and you, you, know, you deal with that. Um, IBMers are truly exceptional at figuring those things out. And so it's, even when there's problems, right, there's the thrill of solving it. And so if you think about, um, you know, our technology has been designed, we announced that in August, right? That was the IBM Telem processor. And we did something different. Um, We don't normally go to hot chips uh, from IBM Z. Power, our power systems always go to the hot chips. We don't normally go. And if we go, it wouldn't, excuse me, it wouldn't be before, the system announced of which the processor is going to be in. So we did something different. This time we had our distinguished engineer, CJ, uh, Christian Jacoby, 
um, talk about Tellum at Hot Chips. And it was a really a chance to focus on our technology innovation. Hot Chips is not a sales conference. It's not a marketing conference. It is a technical conference. And it was an opportunity to showcase our depth of technology and, and working with IBM Research and the true innovation. So in, in addition to the accelerated AI on the chip, which got sort of the headlining act, the whole chip is redesigned, new cache design, everything. So it's really like quite sort of like the next, um, the new frontier. Actually, there was a, a press release that said it was the new frontier of cache design, right? So it's really cool. And it gave us a chance to focus on that. And um, parallel in the industry, chips are having a moment, right? Either the shortage of chips or the M chip at Apple, like a lot of chip talk, and they're all named. And we don't name our chips in IBM Z normally, but never once. I've got, to, I've got to admit, Tina, that one did catch me. I'm like, oh, they gave it a name. So, yes. uh, so I've so, got the, I've got. So I'm gonna, play, I'm gonna play the role of the listener because I know you're the person who can give me the answer. I've been on the inside on coming up with names for things in the past with Linux One and Emperor and Rock Copper. So. I know that that is a challenge within IBM. Let's just call it that. So it was. Give good me the backstory. Give me the yeah. backstory on Talon. So it was really good that Hot Chips had a date because we had to have it done by the date. Um, so we knew the capabilities of the chip. And so we actually crowdsourced. So within the engineering community, right, we have the chip design community, we have the system design community, we have ZOS community, we have the product management community. So we actually crowdsourced and we um, said, you know, here are some guardrails, but suggest names. And so we got hundreds of names. It was really some brilliant ones. And so we have code names for our systems internally. And we um, have had a series of Greek goddess Greek god and goddess names that name, that are code names for the overall project. And so um, the next processor code name was Artemis. And Artemis is a Greek goddess and she is known for hunting with a javelin. And um, Telum is actually a, a Latin word for the spear or javelin. And so to us, it really represented um, precision and forward thinking, which is what we believe Z Next is. Um, and it was a play on words with Artemis, which we all, I think we all really love our code names. And so it was actually submitted by one of our crypto engineers. And so it was double whammy that it was from one of our engineer community. Um, a funny, we ended up coming down to like a couple of just two names. Um, and so uh, in the, the vote meeting was myself, um, my boss, Barry, my peer um, in development and Ross. And so Ross let us all vote before he said, good, I was going to use my 200 votes on that one. So, um, so he's we got, all really he's got a majority vote that he didn't have to exercise. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, and it was really exciting. And then once we had the name, it, it really just seemed perfect. And, um, you know, it got a lot of press, which was really great, again, to highlight our innovation. And then uh, just earlier this week, it was announced as an honoree at CES and um, the event will take place in 2022. So it's just been really great to do things like that, that are like for the first time for us, right? Going to Hot Chips, naming the chip, having the, the CES honoree. It's really, really been exciting. And we haven't even announced, uh, you know, a system yet. So um, yeah, as an outsider, I mean, as our listeners know, I've gone from IBM to a, a research firm now, we covered it. And 
you know, I, I'm sort of, what is it, five months out of IBM now, so I know you guys really well, and I was cheering from the sidelines going, that's a great thing to have done. I'm really glad, because I know there's such a focus on delivering the system, and, and rightly so, but this gave you a chance to grab the microphone ahead, talk about the innovation that's going on in the chip, and I think I don't know whether that <coughs> CJ and his team get the credit that they deserve, for purely the chip design, you know, you, we cover Intel, we cover Qualcomm, we cover AMD and NVIDIA and those guys. And I think they get a disproportionate amount of credit for the amount of um, research that they do. Maybe it's the right amount of credit. I don't know for that chip innovation, but I never think IBM gets the credit that, and I don't think you're seen as a systems manufacturer not a chip manufacturer that makes systems that go in it. So it, it was really good uh, to see from the outside, I think, and the talent processor, as you say, getting all the press that it deserved. Yeah, it was awesome. It was really exciting. So I think our experiment was uh, successful and CJ and I were not laughed out of the room. So we- That's a bold on. move. That's a bold move. Well, we we thought that he, they were either going to love this idea or say no- go away now. So uh, they really loved it, which was great. Um, so we'll be back, I'm sure. Fingers crossed for CES, right? Yeah, that's so exciting. I've um, I've never watched it so closely in my whole life. So I'm, I'm really excited. Um, and it'll be fun. So I'm excited. So I think you've had a fantastic, so let, let's, let's maybe pivot. We've talked about design thinking. We've talked about your role in your leadership within IBM. The show's called I'm a Mainframer. I know you've got a background in the platform for a long time. Talk us through a little bit and orientate the listeners on that journey. So let, let's pivot from kind of, you, you know, the IBM speak for a moment and, and talk about your journey, you know, coming out of college, getting into IBM, the journey you've had through the platform and just kind of frame that for me a little and, and give some of that. Cause we've got a lot of younger listeners to the show who were maybe at the early part of their career and maybe can't associate with how do you get to be an executive in IBM from like coming out of college at 2022. Yeah. So join that dots up. Right. And I, I think if someone had told me 22 years ago, I, I might not have believed them, maybe 10 years ago, but I don't know about right out of college. So I went to college, I was a math and comp sci double major. I went to Albany, I had a physics minor. I was a math science geek through and through. And I joined IBM, not thinking I would be here super long. Um, my boyfriend then, my then boyfriend, now husband, um, had a, another year in college. And I thought I'll work at IBM, I'll live at home, save some money, and then we'll figure it out. And I joined IBM as a microcode programmer working on power systems, actually. And so I, I, I wrote code for HPC systems. And we I won't would, hold it against you, Tina. Don't worry. I know. It was, it was short-lived. And then uh, from there, I went to the... And so when I first joined, and this is always a lesson I tell people, is when I first joined, um, whoever the newest person to the department was got sort of like the crappiest job of um, being the system administrator for our development and test systems. And so I arrived and I, next thing I know, I got a, sort of like a, a binder full of like what to do when something goes wrong. And I got a, a cable puller up, a floor tile puller upper, like a suction cup to pull the floor tile. And I was like, what is this for? 
well, it turns out that you need to go yank some cables around when you're the system administrator. And it turned out that I loved it. I loved going up and playing with the system. I loved that I could solve it. And so my next job was working in the benchmark center and we built systems and we did bake-offs. We do Oracle on power, DB2 on power. And I loved it. I could work with customers, but it wasn't production and the sellers were fun. And it was, it was really great. And I worked for someone and they said, you'd make a good manager. And I thought, sure, I've been here five minutes. Why not? Um, and so I went from this world where I was working entirely on power systems and I became the manager of the Z hardware test floor. And my first mainframe, I joined in July for a September GA. I'm, I remember I'm the test manager. So it was crazy. And I was like, oh my God, what? I should go back to my old job because I don't know what I did here, but I should go. Um, but I loved it. Again, it's so exciting. Um, and you're solving problems. So and the I'm going to stop you. I know what the mainframe test floor looks like. Oh, but so the just, but just, to, just if you've not done the Poughkeepsie factory tour, just, just give so the listener are... a view of what that is. I mean, it's a, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a run in. It's the most amount of mainframes you're ever going to see in right. one place. I was just thinking, I mean, you measure the main, you measure the footprints in probably hundreds. And um, not only do you have you know, whatever system you're testing to get out the door next. You have uh, previous generations for interoperability. Um, you have systems that are running for development. You have the chamber, which we call shake and vibe. So we put the system in there and test it for earthquakes. So it's massive and it's a huge raised, it's a raised floor, right? So there's tiles raised up because underneath are all the cables, the IO cables and everything. And the networking room is like both like overwhelming and beautiful all at the same time. And there's a center room where everybody operates from. So it's not like offices, everybody works in the center area, which is great, it's very communal, um, but it's loud because of all the machines. And you know, on the test floor, we don't put the doors on because it's just in our way. Um, and so it's loud, it's windy. Um, and it's a little, um, you know, if you're not from there, it's definitely overwhelming um and it was to me and um like I said I joined about two months before Z9GA and thought like this is crazy town um but it was really fun and I really loved it and I stick I stuck around for Z10 and the beginning of Z196 and I so I had been there about three years and I thought it was you know time to do something new and it was heartbreaking to leave um and I went to the ZOS side of the house and um I learned about ZOS and I worked on as a manager, I worked on ZOS um, uh, 1.11, 12, 13, and the beginnings of when we re, um, reversioned to two. And then I had a couple of kids in there and I thought, um, you know, working motherhood, full-time management job was a good way to like get sent to the crazy house. So I um, took a staff job, which was really my first experience with um, learning how our customers operated, right? So my staff job was all about leveraging the lab. And so it was connecting our SDSMs and, and technical uh, system matter experts with clients who needed either help or a POC or something. And so you really started to understand like how a client didn't just implement our technology, but how they planned. And, you know, they were, it was a whole different way than at IBM. And I did that for a little bit and I realized if I really wanted to um, make it to the next level, I had to think about how would I get there. Um, and I sort of like, I have this blue paper in my office. I sort of wrote out like, here's all the ways I could get to the next level. 
like pick your path. And I went to the new technology group, which is the group that runs early support programs. So if any of our clients have ever been in an ESP or a beta program, it was the group that run that. And it was my first experience working on pure systems, which part of which is divested now and storage, um, which was really fascinating. And then I had always wanted what we then called like PDT jobs. I'd always wanted the product management job. And Catherine Guarini hired me to work on product management on, at the time we were aligned to like mobile analytics, security and um, cloud. And I came and I was the mobile product manager. So I got a little bit closer, but I really wanted one of those system product management jobs. And so I set my sights on the ZR1, which I either wanted a, a big announcement, like a high-end system, or I wanted ZR1. ZR1 had so many amazing things um, in the design that I knew that was the one I wanted. And so I really just hunted down John Bertles and won him over who, um, you know, John is, for those of you that don't know John, I adore him. He's brilliant. And he's sort of like the benchmark of like thoughtful, um, you know, deep thinking and, and product management. And so I just, I wouldn't let him go until he agreed it would be mine and then zr1 was i never thought i'd get a job as good as zr1 the product management because it was for those of you that don't know it was a new system design we we shrunk the system to a standard floor size it was the first time we were doing like a major oem partnership um we were looking at integrating storage it was there were so many cool aspects of it um i remember those 19 inch rack conversations you were really breaking ground with that system yeah so it was really cool and um I did so well, I became an executive and they asked me to lead um, development in ZOS. And um, I love that, that was that was really great. I've always said every job I've had has been the best one yet. I wasn't sure after ZR1 that might not happen again, but it it's totally true. And then, like I said, I always, um, I had told people if this job ever opens up that I wanted to be considered. And, um, and then when I got the call about a year ago, that um, the job was mine. It was so exciting, but it was all, it was like getting told you're going to Disneyland, like, oh my God, I'm not ready. <laughs> I have to pack. I, you know, I, think I think I genuinely think, and I've said this to multiple people over the years, that the product manager for the new mainframe is the biggest single product management job in IBM. Because the amount of connective things that come off the back of that single box being launched the TSS offerings for support, the, the software that comes through as part of that program, the consulting that IBM drives off it, and obviously the mainframe hardware revenue and the, the small box that typically comes a year or so later. It's, it's a huge... I can't think of many other program management or product management jobs, even in the industry, and I, I've got a different lens on this, that really pull together a multi-billion dollar business around a product, around a physical piece of hardware. Yeah, it's funny when um, Matt Whitborn was the off, uh, the product manager for Z15 and he, um, before he accepted the job, he spoke to me and to Taryn Chopra, who was my predecessor in um, product management. And both of us said the same thing, like it is the best job in IBM. Like, you know, and it will seem so crazy at times, but it is the best job at IBM. And Matt always says like, you guys were so right. And we're like, we were, it's the best job because I mean, it's, it's a demanding high stake, high performance job. 
But aside from that, the, the view you have of how interconnected everything is, is really like, you, it's just like so much learning every day. And um, you really like, you just keep refining yourself, right? And you have to work with so many people. I mean, you influence thousands of people, but you have no line management. Um, and so not only does it take somebody who has um, technical chops, right? You understand the technology. Um, you can speak the the visionary marketing side, but you also very much understand like the business goals and the, the financial model. And so to combine those three is, is very hard. And to find somebody that usually the people that take the job have a strength in one of them and then they grow, <laughs> they learn the other two. Um, and that's really where the excitement is, right? And um, I'm really lucky right now, Kelly Pushong is leading that for me and she's done an outstanding job. Um, she has not had the benefit of being able to walk over to say um, when any of our DEs in the office, Kelly took the job um, in a virtual environment and has continued in the virtual environment. And that's really hard. Um, as you know, right, we often would gather in a DE's office and we'd be piling out and could we do this and could we do this and on the whiteboard. And I think to really connect and drive the team in this manner is hard, um, but um, she's done an outstanding job. So I think, I mean, Tina, I, and I think we need to get you back on the show. There's so much here. Maybe Chris will get will get Tina back on the show in a few months' time. Um, you know, once we get into the said next launch, I think it, there's so much to unpack here. But I, I've got to be respectful of time um, and start to pull us towards the end here. So you, you we've just talked about your journey coming through the sort of mainframe your time at IBM, you were joining for a year and then you've stuck around for 22. You've got the, you've got the benefit of that hindsight now. What would you go back and say to your 22-year-old self? You're coming out of Albany, you're coming out of college, you're fresh-faced. What would you say to yourself? You know, you get the opportunity to go back. What would you say? I think I would tell myself to do the things, right? To join the club, to, you know, listen to the, listen to the podcast, reach out to the person, like, you know, just whatever your gut tells you, you should try, like, go try it. And I do that now. That was a, it took me a long time, I think, to really build and flex that muscle. Um, and now I think it's like one of my strengths, right? I, I'm known for having a great network and really supportive and, um, but I think it took me a little bit to build the muscle that just said, well, just try it, like, just, just go do it. Um, and I had really, really great mentors along the way that encouraged me to, to lean in. And eventually that became habit for me. Um, but I would, I would start that earlier, I think. I think that's solid advice. I mean, I've known you since you came on to, into, we were in that um, CAMS team together. You were doing mobile. I was doing cloud back then. That's a while ago now. Um, <laughs> But I've, I've seen you go through that journey. I, I think that's really solid advice. Just put yourself out there. I remember when we started working together on so building your what is now fantastic social media presence. You know, you just came and said, I want to jump into this. I want to learn. I want to get going. So uh, I, th I think that's really solid advice for some of the people out there. And it's, it's a consistent theme from some of the guests of we have on the show of, of just get going, just dive in and, and sort of build that experience. Anything else you would kind of give it? You're a fantastic mentor, and I know you mentor a, a bunch of younger IBMers. Any other sort of consistent advice you'd give? I often talk to people about two things. One is um, 
don't let perfect be the, be the enemy of the good, right? Don't, perfect won't ever happen. So just don't let it be the enemy of doing the good thing. And then the other thing I tell people is, you know, the things that you feel make you different are really the value you bring, right? So, you know, lean in and feel comfortable with that. And don't, don't just try to be like everybody else. Like, you know, don't try and be like me or like you or like Ross or like, like, just be, be the best you. Um, and I think, you know, we see all these people succeeding, but that's because they leaned into like their strengths. Um, and so I often tell my, the people I mentor that, like, well, what are you good at? Lean into that. Don't, you know, if you're not good at one thing, don't worry about it. Like, go be really, really great at the thing you're good at. I think that's fantastic advice. As I say, we, I could carry on asking you these questions, but I do have to respect some of the listeners' uh, gift they give us of their time. The, the one question I always ask, and I think you've probably got one of the best perspectives on this, where is the platform going? You, and, and I know you can't talk too much around what's coming absolutely next, so I'll, I'll, I'll let you off that particular hook. And, and I'll maybe frame it as three to five years out. So where do you see the platform? You've got this crystal ball in front of you. You can look ahead with your unique perspective. Where do you think we're going? So I think we're going to lean into our um, what we've always built as our foundation. We'll continue to be even more resilient, reliable, scalable. Um, our clients depend on that. We will up the bar on all of those. We will also, I think in three to five years, be an incredibly vital, important part of our clients' hybrid cloud. We Hybrid cloud is here to stay. It's not going anywhere. You're going to have multiple private clouds, multiple public clouds, and everything in between. And you will see us become even more critical in that environment, right? The data and the transactions that are happening on the mainframe are best suited for the mainframe. They're too critical to be anywhere else. And what you'll see is clients, I think, really figuring out how to leverage that investment even more to protect their enterprise um, and to scale what they need to do. Enterprise AI is going to be a huge industry shift. We, we're all seeing that. And, um, you know, the key data is on the mainframe. And so how do we, how do our clients leverage that investment? I think you'll see a lot in that space. And security, I, much as I wish security concerns weren't so relevant, they are. And um, I think encryption, fully homomorphic encryption, all of that will only continue to try and just stay like one step ahead of the bad guy. The one step ahead of the bad guy, I like that. I think the platform's more than one step ahead, but I get the point. Tina, this has been fantastic. As I say, I think we're going to have to have you back on the show and I'll speak to Chris and we'll get that scheduled. But I think so many lessons here, so many great points for the for some of our younger listeners to how to build that career arc to come right in from a technical perspective, right up to leading arguably one of the biggest products product management spaces within IBM. So fascinating having you on the show. Tina, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the I'm a Mainframer podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Dickens. If you like the show, please click and subscribe. If you really like the show, give us a five-star rating. That helps. We'll be back next time on the I'm a Mainframer podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.